the family dinner table, the gridiron of the home, where battles are fought in the trenches, where tempers flare and where eyes are rolled. But it is on this field where parents coach and quarterback their families to victory. These are the moments that can define a great team. In the heat of the game, there's no telling which way the ball will bounce. But when the whistle blows, those in charge will take control. The coach must guide the team to victory, while the quarterback must utilize his skills to navigate the family across life's frozen tundra. These are the principles that win, the play calls we must make to guide our family to victory. I'm not quite the Krenz that you're used to every week. I'm Shannon, Mark's wife, and if you were here last week, you saw Mark and I co-teach together about parenting. We're in a three-week series about that, and you, saw, you heard us talk about how God parents us, that we are God's masterpiece, and he loves us. He loves what he's created, and he teaches us how to parent, and he has told us that our children are his masterpiece and to keep the end in mind as we're parenting them and not to get lost in the trenches along the way, that we really are looking for who they, our children are going to be by developing their character and their faith. And we talked a, a quote that I just wanted to say again because it's that good by Craig Groeschel, and he says, a parent's priority is to gradually transfer a child's dependence from themselves to until it rests solely on God. That it's not about getting our kids to independence, but it's to dependence on God. Um, so next week, we're going to be talking about freedom and consequences. But this week, I'm talking about love and limits. And we're really looking at what does love look like? Now, when I thought about limits, the first, thought, the first story that came to mind from our family, what happened back when my daughter Kira was two. Now, she had this thing about sleepwalking. And it was awful because she terrified us. So this little two-year-old Kira would, I would wake up in, like, in the middle of the night and she's right there in front of my face. And that will just take your breath away and your heart will stop. <sighs> okay, there's a person right there. Or we would um, be going to bed and we would turn the corner to go up the stairs and she'd just be standing there, blank face. Well, that'll terrify you if you're not expecting it. But not only that, but she was really good at being two, and she wrecked havoc. She would sleepwalk somewhere and then wake up, and you just never know what she's going to get herself into. So we had to make this stop. So we felt really great about our parenting, and we put up a baby gate in her door. We had to create some kind of limit. She couldn't go under it. She couldn't go over it. But we felt like, OK, this is going to keep her in her room. And that was actually working for a couple days, and we were feeling really good about this until one morning about 5, 5.15, we heard this awful crash. And so we did what good parents do. We sat up straight in bed and booked it over to our precious babies because Miana was three at that time. And we walked out into the hallway to see Miana standing there like this, just this angry face. 
and Kira's standing next to her, just angelic, not in her room, the baby gate's laying on the floor. Miana had broken the baby gate down, and she stands there and looks at us and then points out her finger, don't you lock my sister up. <laughs> she knew she didn't want anything to do with our limits. And that's what kids love to do. They want to set their own limits of how, when, and what they want to do all the time, don't they? they if it were up to them, they would eat Lucky Charms every meal of the day. And in my house, it wouldn't just be eating the Lucky Charms, it's just the marshmallows of the Lucky Charms. I can't tell you how many boxes of Lucky Charms were just the cereal left over. Or they would maybe go to school and definitely homework would not be involved in that or chores would not be involved. There would be way too much screen time going on. And I'm told, because I don't know this personally, that if left on their own, boys will just find something to destroy in a house. But in my house, uh, it would look like a craft bomb exploded if left on their own. Like glitter and little tiny pieces of paper everywhere, which is pretty well how my house looks all the time. We wish as adults, don't you wish you could just take off responsibility and do whatever you want to at any time? We would definitely get more sleep. We would choose what projects at work or at home that we want to be a part of and be like, oh, sorry, boss, I wasn't in the mood to do that one today. Well. We as adults, we know that we can't do that. We know that we have to fulfill our responsibilities. We've learned that we can't be that selfish because when we do, our relationships are destroyed. It's destructive to ourselves and to others. We've learned that, but that's what we have to do with kids. We have to teach them that. And so the struggle is between finding the limit or finding the line between love and limits. And you get stuck in the tension between the two. I'm sorry to the people on the sides that, if you can't read it, um, first service, the marker ran out, and so nobody could read it. But we're stuck in this struggle between the two, and where do we find the balance? And it comes between how lenient, often we see being loving as leniency, how lenient should we be, or how strict should we be? Now, when we think about what, what it means to be lenient as parents, we think about letting kids choose to do what they want, letting them choose how much screen time they have, or, or what their bedtime is, or how much time they spend with what people. It's letting them make those choices. And, and the, on the other side are the strict parents that kids can't breathe without permission, that they have a firm schedule, there are set rules, and they don't have say in those things. Lenient parents are the parents who want their kids to like them, but on the other hand, strict parents, they want to like their kids. And so we have to figure out where we're in this struggle between love and limits, where is the balance? Now, it's hard to find it, but I love that God does tell us he does show us in his word, and we can call this God's parenting playbook. So before we go to the, the, um, the Bible, let's pray. God, I just thank you that you haven't left us to figure it out all our, on our own, but you are our heavenly father, and you are a good and perfect father that really do show us unconditional love so that we can to look to you for guidance in how to parent. Thank you. Amen.
So we're going to turn to Genesis, in Genesis 2, because God's first parenting came from when he was parenting Adam and Eve. So in Genesis 2, 8 and 9, it says, Then the Lord God planted a garden in Eden, in the east, and there he placed the man he had created. And the Lord God planted all sorts of beautiful trees that produced delicious fruit. Now, I love the picture that I get in my head when I think about God doing this. He created this perfect environment for Adam and Eve. He was so excited to place his crown jewel of creation in this place where they could prosper and enjoy life, and they were safe and comfortable and happy. It's kind of like when you were preparing to bring child into your home, that you set up the nursery just right, and you get everything just in the right place. You've do you, some of you know that feeling? You're just, just right for your precious child that you're going to bring in. But it's like that for parents in our home, that we are creating not just a physical environment, but a loving environment that's the foundation for unconditional love. Because I'm a girl, I'm going to draw a heart because that's what I do. So God has created, or God has asked us to create a loving environment to, for our families, for our children to be raised up in. And there are three things in particular that I, that I wanted to focus on. And the first is touch, that we have to create in our homes a, a loving sense of touch for our children. Now, it's easy when they're little and we have to hold them to take them anywhere, but even as they grow, to hold their hand, to cuddle, kisses and hugs, and, and it, different kids require different amounts of physical touch. Now, we have two of our four that require it more than others, and we really do notice that they, are, they act out when they haven't had enough physical touch, and we just have to take them aside and just hold them for a while. And then they go back to who they really are. And I think that's just a really neat example of showing them what physical touch really is in this world, that the right kind. And the second is time, that kids, when they're young, they require physical time to, to stay alive. And as they get older and more self-sufficient, they don't require it as much from us, but they need it just as much from us. And it's not just time but it's undistracted time. They need to know that we care about them. They're asking, am I important to you? What is my place in this world? We have to set aside our phones and the TV and really focus our time on them. And the third, the third T is talk. They need encouraging talk from us. They need to, to, for us to let them know what is valuable about them? What's great about who they are, who God created them to be? Now, they know good and well when you say their name, what's coming next. That especially my daughter, Kira, who happens to be in here right now, um, she knows which name I call her, what's coming next. If I yell, Kira Joy, then she knows she's in trouble. But if I call her Joyity Joy or Joy Joy, or Joyalicious, or any, she's got a lot of names. She knows what's coming next. She wants to hear. And funny how she comes running really fast. But I love catching my kids doing well. I love it when I can tell them, I love when you did that and what that did, what I saw in you when you did that. And our kids have to have these three T's from us because it sets 
a context of love in our relationship. And it establishes that relationship because the time comes when we will have to set boundaries that bump up against these up, up against this loving environment and they know if they know we love them they won't like our boundaries necessarily but they won't question our love so they'll question the boundaries but not our love and that's key back in genesis god set up uh, the this world of, in eden with protective boundaries as well in genesis 2:15 through 17 says, the Lord God placed the man in the Garden of Eden to tend and care for it. But the Lord God gave him this warning. You may eat freely from any fruit in the garden except the fruit from the tree of good, knowledge of good and evil. If you eat this fruit, you will surely die. God gave them boundaries just like he gives us boundaries, just like we give our kids boundaries. Doctors Cloud and Townsend said about kids, they're little people out of control of themselves attempting to control everyone around them. Now I gotta get a witness, this is my life every day. They need help, they come to us and we create their first worlds for them, these little mini worlds. We are their first government, we give them their laws, what they're allowed to do. We are first, we set up punishment, so we're their first police officers, we're their employers, we give them jobs and chores. We are their activities director. We just survived summer. They wake up every day, Mom, what are we gonna do today? I'm like, I gotta create this whole world of fun. We are their socialization providers that we teach them how to act in relationships. We're their spiritual directors. We teach them climate of faith and show them awareness that God is really there with us every day. And we're their education. For the first few years, they get it straight from us. And so we have these little mini worlds that we're teaching them responsibility and what it means and all those things so that eventually they come out into the real world, into reality. And we have to prepare them because if we've prepared them well, they go smoothly from these little worlds into the real world. But when we haven't, when we haven't prepared them, they collide and that's when disaster hits for adults. And we see it all around us. We must create a loving world where kids get a taste of what's to come before they experience it in an unforgiving world. The reality of our world is that it has limits. We cannot get away from limits. Our society sets limits. So we have to have limits with them when they're under our protection so that they can then function in society. And the problem comes when parents struggle to set limits. It is hard to set limits. We want to be cool. We want them to like us. We don't want them to miss out. We want them to be with their friends. We want them to not throw fits and be sad. And we want them to experience their, or express themselves. And they make us crazy. But when we don't set limits, we do them a disservice. The key is limits are actually a statement of love. Because love sets limits. God has given us limits. They're limits out of love and they're limits out of protection. Now there was a survey done, or a, sur a study done about kids and playground. 
And so they went to this playground that had a fence around it, and they watched as the, the bell went off and all the kids go running out into the playground, and they fill the whole playground, and they do what kids do. They're laughing and playing, and you know, girls huddle up talking, and, and they just saw these happy, insecure kids filling their playground. So the next day, they took the, the fence down, and they watched as the bell rang and the kids just run out, but they didn't fill the playground. They kind of stayed near, they kind of huddled a little close that day, but they weren't happy and they weren't secure. So they took note of that. The next day they put the fence back up, and felt bad for the fence, you know, guys. So they watched as the bell rang and the kids ran out and once again they filled their playground and they were happy and secure because boundaries give freedom. And with their fence, the kids experienced freedom to do and to play and to be happy and secure. Now, I, it's funny because I experienced this as a kid. My elementary school was kind of set off in the country a little bit, and there were farm fields all around my school, and so we didn't have a fence around our playground. And I remember very clearly as a kid not knowing how far I was allowed to go on the playground during recess. And so I never went out into the fields because I didn't want to get called out by the recess teacher. It would have mortified me if that whistle had been blown at me and tell me, Shannon, come back closer. So I didn't. I never really went out and experienced the fullness of the playground because I w didn't know where my boundary was. So I didn't feel free. So there are, there's power to limits. And there are four things in particular that I want to talk about. F the first one is they provide internal security and love. Limits aren't a condition of love. They're an affirmation of love. Now, that's so important, I'm going to say it again. Limits are not a condition of love. They're an affirmation of love. The second is they create a safe space to develop. Just like we have our block walls in our backyard, it provides a place for the kids to go out and to play, and they may skin their knee, but they're going to be okay but they don't have the opportunity to go out and hit, get hit by a car. There can be a little bit of, of um, hurt, but no damage. It's a healthy risk, and that's what limits do for us. They provide a healthy risk. The third is it provides freedom. When we have limits, we have a choice. In our house, the choice may be you can choose ballet or soccer, but it limits the, cho limits the freedom to make choice in what's healthy, for themselves and for the family. If with four kids, every person chose three activities, we, I would, I just, I think I might explode because that's too many things going on. The fourth is that limits teach, I am always under authority. And this is something that even as adults, we fight against so often. Just not wanting to be under someone else's authority. But it's something that we just must accept that we're under authority from a teacher, or from a boss, or from a police officer, and even the, ro ride, the ride operator at Disneyland sets limits over us. If we don't keep our hands and arms inside the car, he's going to kick us off the line. We are under that authority, and it's okay. As long as I'm not breaking laws, I'm not going to have trouble with the police officer. And so most of us accept that authority that we're under. But sometimes, and often, we fight with God about this, about being under his authority, fully under his authority, and accepting his sovereignty, and that we have to lay down our control of ourselves 
and let him be in control of, our, in control of us. A lot of times we say, no, why, why do I have to live, let God be in control of me? Why, he just wants to hold me down or keep me back. But really, that's not it at all. God wants us to give it over to him so that we can have true, real freedom. And that's the thing that you don't experience until you've done it and can then know the freedom that comes from your heart and not being shackled by the things of this world. So many of us need to let go of that sovereignty and accept God's freedom. Because God doesn't have limits just to set limits. Each limit has a reason, and they're for our protection, and they're out of love. They're protecting us from ourselves or from someone else. So our job as parents, because we have to apply this, our job as parents is to set the limit and stick to it. Now, I love that in Genesis, God told, God gave Adam and Eve limits. He said, if you eat of the fruit, then you will surely die. If you eat the fruit, then you will die. And we say the same thing to our kids. Because we have to know that crossing limits equals pain. We've learned that as an adult, that if you drive too fast on Shea Boulevard, your pain is going to come in the mail when they take the picture of you and send you your ticket. That pain exists. Well, our kids have to experience that at home. If you whine, the answer is no. If you take the car without asking, you don't get to drive it for a week. There has to be, there has to be pain when, there, when limits are crossed, because at home, the ramifications are small. But in the real world, they get bigger and bigger. Our word must mean something. If you say it, follow through. God has a backbone. He wants us to have one too. So the kid's job, we, have, we know what our job is. What's the kid's job? To test the limits, to make us near crazy, to take us to that breaking point with the whining and complaining and negotiating and slamming the doors. You guys have that in your house too, right? Tell me, not just me. We have to, we have to not give in. We have to, the trick is to hold on to your limit one more time than they put their demand. One more time and we win. You can hold your limit for one more time. So the thing about it is, if you give in, that teaches kids that fighting against parents is what works. The goal is that these external limits then become internal boundaries so that when we transfer those mini worlds from what we've created in our home, those safe little things, to the actuality of the real world, that they will have internal breaks and a sense of responsibility so that they can function, but not just function in this world, but really glorify God with who they've become. So I have, out of our parenting playbook for the week, I have two challenges for you. The first is to sit down and examine your limits at home. Some of us might need to rein in those limits a little bit and provide a little bit more security, a little bit more chance to grow. And some of us need to expand and be a little bit more lenient and give the opportunity to soar and to accept the responsibility that it means when, when the reins are loosened. And the second, and I'm really excited about living out this one, is to find a chance this week to play together. Find a chance with your family, whoever that family may be, maybe they're related to you or not, but play together. 
spend time together without anything that has a screen, so phones away, anything like that, and really interact with each other and have fun. Enjoy these people that God has put in your life. Enjoy each other. So here's the thing, because God has kept the end in mind with us, he knows that he wants to spend eternity with us. Just like with our kids, we have to keep the end in mind that we want to see them grow to be a cathedral for him. We have to set limits because setting limits is love. And accepting, some of us just need to accept God's limits. That we need to surrender ourselves and accept that these limits that are placed on us are for our protection, out of love. That they're not to hurt, but to give life and freedom. Let's pray. God, I am so thankful that you have given us your example of your unconditional love and your perfect parenting so that we can see how much you love us. And some of us just need to accept that love and bask bask in how you accept us no matter what. And for other of us that are in the trenches of parenting, I just thank you that you give us wisdom when we ask, that you haven't asked us to do this on our own, but you've given us friends and family and our church around us to support us and, and lift us up when we're tired. And so I just ask God for extra sustenance and strength to keep going to those that are just at their near breaking point. God, I thank you for your un unconditional, unending love. Amen.